help us today. Help us to move in your spirit and help us to receive what you want us to receive today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I'm looking at the notes. You, I got half the notes today, so that means we can minister twice as long. We've been commanded repeatedly to be thankful. Over and over, gratitude is commanded because God is worthy. Because life can be difficult, not everything is always as planned. It is necessary to remind ourselves the benefits we have due to our relationship with God. Before I get with a relationship with God, I, shameless plug, if you're not on Connect Call, get on it. Um, it is totally different the way we're doing it now, and we are breaking up into smaller groups, and with smaller groups comes greater intimacy and greater sharing. Um, and what we were talking about is, remember a couple of weeks ago, that if you could only leave your kids what you've done for God, would you have anything to give them? And the question we, we had was, um, if you can only give your kids what you've done for God, what could you give them now and what would you give them in the future? Um, and when it came my turn, I said, uh, if it was in the future, I want to make sure my kids understand it is relationship, not religion. Because this is the problem we run into is if we don't understand relationship as adults, we are going to teach our kids religion, which is to be in the presence of God, to understand the things of God, to even quote the scriptures and sing the songs, yet never have a relationship. And so if we're not careful, unwittingly, we are going to be raising the next generation of Pharisees. People that know about God but don't know him. People that criticize everybody else that does. I do not want that. And so we have to understand that we have benefits because of our relationship with God. It's not just, oh, I go to church. Congratulations. So do millions of other people who really don't know him. I want us to have a church for people who walk with God, people that have a relationship, whatever that looks like for you. When I say walk with God, I'm not asking you to be Enoch, okay? I'm not asking you to go find a field and walk in it. And so what I'm saying is, is do you have a relationship with God? Just like everybody's marriages is different, um, but there's a relationship there. If you don't have a relationship with God, you won't have access to the benefits he wants to give you so we talked about the fact that we're beyond blessed would you agree okay church folks you're allowed to actually talk this is not a library this is a sanctuary you may talk back to me when I ask questions so we're beyond blessed with forgiveness that's the greatest benefit um, if it stopped right there, if it never went past forgiveness, that should be enough. And we, 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 we talked about that we're beyond blessed with healing, that God not only deals with our, our, the inside, our spiritual man, but also deals with our physical as well. Um, and God is so good, not only does he, um, he makes provisions for the fallout of sin, but also makes provision for the physical fallout of sin. And so uh, we talked about it, that if you are preaching the cross without healing, you're preaching a partial gospel. So let's go back to our text and continue to examine the benefit package we have due to God's favor in our lives. Psalms 103, 1 through 5, NIV. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my innermost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sin and heals all your diseases. I like the word all. Not some, not the easy ones, not the, not the cute sins, you know, like you took a box of paper clips from work because you needed it for an art project. I mean, he forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. 
who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with the love and compassion, who satisfies your desire with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So today I want to talk about, it can, you can imagine, he says, who redeems your life from the pit. So how you arrive in the pit really doesn't matter. Notice that David operates from the assumption that we will all experience the pit. I think he assumes that from his own life experiences. He knows that the pit is inevitable and that there are two ways to arrive in a pit. Listen to David's pit list, if you will. Do not say that three times fast. And you will see the two ways to arrive. Overlooked by family, crazy father-in-law, despised by his wife, best friend killed in battle, caught, caught in adultery, dead child, rebellious child, incest in family, one son murders another, life constantly marked by war and tragedy. There are basically two ways you end up in a pit. One is self-dug pits. David has his share of self-dug pits in that list, and we don't like to talk about it. In fact, many of us don't even like to admit it. We end up in a pit and then feel compelled to blame somebody else. Like Samson, we keep playing and flirting and dabbling with sin until we fall in, and when we want to point fingers at everyone else, it's the, it was the TV's fault for being on that channel, or pastor, it was her fault for dressing like that, or it was his fault for talking to me like that, or it's my ex's fault, or my boss's fault, or QVC's fault, it's somebody's fault. We play the victim card until we actually believe it. So I looked up this victim mentality. If you have a victim mentality, you will see your entire life through a perspective that things constantly happen to you. Victimization is thus a combination of seeing most things in life as negative, beyond your control, and as something you should be given sympathy for, experiencing as you deserve better. At its heart, a victim mentality is actually a way to avoid taking any responsibility for yourself or your life. By believing you have no power, then you don't have to take action. And the church said, ouch. It's a victim mentality. Um, now, most people will say that someone had a victim mentality. They had some kind of trauma in their life. But, and we don't downplay the trauma. We don't downplay what happened. But because one thing happened, would you live your entire life at the victim mentality, thinking that life happens to you instead of you living your life, that everybody should have sympathy for you because you deserve sympathy? Do, do you think that you should actually say, hey, I'm the victim, so I need to avoid taking a responsibility. And because I take no responsibility, I take no action. Action. Aren't you glad we don't have anybody like that we know? Because I don't mind silence. I'll let y'all wait in silence too. The truth is, is we all dug pits. We've all dug ourselves into pits. What's wrong with church people is that they hide their pits. See, the other one is other dug pits. David experienced another way to arrive in a pit. The second way to arrive in a pit is to intentionally be thrown in a pit by someone else. Joseph would testify here. They thought, you know, you thought they loved you. They thought you, you thought they liked you. You thought they had your back. You thought they had your best in mind. And instead, they intentionally throw you into a mess. The same hands that held you and caressed you and assured you are now being used to discard you. The same mouth that used to praise you, brag on you, and flatter you is now being used to curse, attack, and cut you down. The same heart that was turned towards you is now turned against you. You arrive in a pit that you didn't dig. And David screams to us in Psalms 103 that the method of arrival doesn't really matter. 
See, we tend to want to focus on how we arrived in the pit, and David wants us to focus on how we get out. We got plenty of people that want to tell us the woe is me story, and I'm here because of this, and they want to tell you all about how they arrived, but they, they don't want to tell you how to get out. See, against the backdrop of his own pit marked path, he declares what really matters is that we are beyond blessed with redemption. The good news is that the power of this benefit is that whether self-inflicted or put there by someone else, Jesus can find you in any pit and get you out of any pit. So we understand his saving power, but we understand, and David has already dealt with the benefit of forgiveness uh, and salvation. Now he goes one more step and says that we're beyond blessed with redemption. Does that word mean anything to you? See, we need to embrace his redeeming ability. Redemption literally means to return to original state. So God is saying, whether you messed up or somebody did, did you wrong, when I find you, I will return you back to your original state. Uh, you may have some scars on you, but you lost no time. Remember that, that scripture? He says, I will, I will bring back the time that the canker worm, and, and he starts talking about all these insects that we, don't know, we have no idea where they are. Um, but I'm going to return all that time, everything that was, was eating away at you, I'll return all that back to you. So that redemption literally means that he redeemed my soul. What does he mean? He returned my soul back to how it originally was. He redeemed my life, which is like I made a mess, and, and I have mud from my own pit. God said, that's fine. I'll come and get you. And when I get you out, I'm going to return you back to your original state as if you didn't get into the pit. Thank you. I got one amen. All you say, folks. Which means we don't, we, we lay out a church and we have a redeemer. We lay out a church and we have a God that will forgive seen and unseen sins, iniquities and transgressions. We have a God that says, not only did I deal with your sin, I will heal all your diseases and we can't make it to his house to worship him. He says, you know what? I love you so much that I'll get you out of your own pit and when I get you out, I return you back like you were pre-pit status, but we don't want to come. What is wrong with us? We are beyond blessed. See, we fail to understand the new creation, all things new, old has passed away, redemptive work that Christ has done in us. Yes, your story is spotted. Yes, your story is marked by tragedy. Yes, your story is painful and even ugly at times, but we underestimate or underappreciate this benefit. We're beyond blessed with redemption. He redeems our souls. He redeems our life. He redeems our time. He has become our pit partner. He walks into our pit, but he doesn't leave us there. He redeems our life out of pit. He takes us out of the pit. And now it's time to let him take the pit out of us. We can live a life pitted or understand and embrace the redeeming work of Jesus and live life beyond blessed. We talked about, we, we talked about the tree. We talked about, you know, it's time to cut down that tree. We've talked about it. Do you see a theme here? I'm trying to help you so your 2022 doesn't look like your 2021. You need to let some things go. You need to get out of your pit, leave the past behind, let God redeem you, and walk forward. You need to cut some trees out. You need to stop celebrating your past hurts and looking for sympathy. Instead, start looking for healing and looking for redemption. Mm, thank you. Thank you. So... How David dealt with Saul's grandson, Mephibosheth, another great baby name if you're looking for one. Mephibosheth reveals that he understood the power of redemption. David understood this. Mephibosheth is mishandled. If you go to the story, so Saul has been killed. 
His son Jonathan is killed. So Jonathan was Mephibosheth's father. And, and so now he's been dropped by his nurse and crippled at five years old. He was next in line for the throne, and somebody mishandled him and scarred him for life. And he ends up in Lodabar. It means a place of no pasture, no word, and no communication. And here he ends up of no fault of his own. Lodabar was a town where the Philistines killed Saul and his son Jonathan and became a Philistine stronghold. He was in the pit of painful past. Mephibosheth was living where he lost his grandfather and father in the land possessed by the Philistines, forced to live with those who had hurt him, unable to do anything because he's crippled. He even called himself a dog. His name means one who destroys shame or ends shame. But in his mind, I was mishandled. I was hurt. Now I'm nothing like that. Mephibosheth forgot who he was. He's living in a place cut off of communication, no pasture, nothing. And now he doesn't even know who he is. Now he's invited back and returned to his original state, redeemed. The status of the table is the heir and son. See, we can keep limping around as if we're still in the pit, or we can boldly take our place at the table and go from crippled to crowned. See, some of you have no issue for accepting forgiveness but you struggle to accept redemption. You keep digging yourself back into what God has dug you out of. You keep living life as if you're still in the pit and you could be living beyond blessed. So I want to tell you this, despite our choices of the past, our destiny is greater than our disaster. This is, this is, what, this is what holds so many people back. It's not that God doesn't forgive. It's not that God doesn't heal. When it comes to redemption, some of us are so, we identify so much with our pit that even when God takes us out, we go right back to it. It's time to leave the pit behind. It's time to stop. Because here's the thing. There are some people that love to tell you their calamity. I'll say it this way so I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. When I come in the house, it is not Nora's job to worry about what happened at work. How was work? Great. It's not her job. She has a different path in life if there's if there's money issues if the if stuff at work she can't help me with that why would I put that on why would I ruin her day by what comes out of my mouth it's in the past anyway I left work and come home why am I going to drag the pit to my house and some people love it all they talk about is pit talk I'm tired of it I'm gonna start calling it pit profanity I don't want to hear it you know, oh, look what happened to me, and isn't it, and isn't that. I'm just going to lay hands on you. I might open my hand. I'm just going to lay hands on you and pray for you in Jesus' name. Will you stop your pit profanity? Nobody wants to hear it. Get out of it. You have a God that will rescue you and redeem you, bring you back to original state, but you don't want it because you want sympathy and pity from the pit. I don't want to be pitied. I don't want sympathy. I don't need a hug, and I don't need your sticker star. What I need is a God that will redeem me. Say, you know what, JT, you messed up, but look how good I am. I'll bring you back to the original state. Now keep going, Bubba. That's the God we serve. We don't need to have any of this stuff. Listen to Hebrews 9, 7. But only the high priest ever entered the most high place, and only once a year. And he, was, and he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people had committed in ignorance. Now Hebrews 9:12. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. 
The writer of Hebrews shows us that the priests were trying to deal with self-inflicted pits, their own sin, and the pits of other people produced in ignorance, but they couldn't get it done. So Jesus, by the power of his blood, walks in and makes us beyond blessed with redemption so that we're released from regardless of how we got there. See, I don't know which is worse. Self-inflicted pits or other pits. But we're beyond blessed with redemption. Actually, I know the Bible says that we shouldn't be proud, but we should be pit proud. I want you to have some pit pride. David goes so far to tell us in Psalms 107:2, has the Lord redeemed you? Question mark. Then speak out, exclamation point. Tell others he's redeemed you from your enemies. But we're too cute. We're too bougie. I want to tell you about my pit because you're going to think I'm a sinner. We know you're a sinner, dude. I can talk to you about 45 seconds and know you're a sinner, just like I am. I'm doing the very best I can, but I live in flesh on earth, um, and it's tough. But so David said, if you're going to brag about anything, shut up about your old life and your parties. We don't want to hear about it. We don't want to hear you weren't, you really weren't the man, you weren't the woman. You think you were, but you really weren't, so we don't want to hear that at all. What we want to hear is how did God save you from your pit? So don't have a pity party, but have a pit party. Start telling people, man, you know what? I was in the same situation you were. And you know what? This is what God did for me. But what do Christians do? Oh, man, before I got in the church, you wouldn't believe what I did. And that's God won't, and so shut up. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I want to hear how God has redeemed you. I want to hear, you know what? Hey, someone hurt me just like they hurt you. And you know, it was so hard. some of me wanted to get out of the pit and some of me just wanted to to sit and cry at the bottom of it but this is how God got me out that's what we should be doing with our pit so show a little pit pride would you he's not saying have pride in how far we fell or how bad it was he's telling us to rehearse to others the power over the pit the pit that God has so that they'll know that he can redeem our lives from the death or destruction that we're in then surely that he can do the same for them that's all they want to know but see when we try to act so spiritual and it's like I was in the pit and I prayed and fasted no you didn't you might have no we want want to take credit for it instead of saying I was in a pit and God got me out it was I was in a pit so you know what I did I read the Bible every day cover to cover all 1,189 chapters a day. I fasted. I only had, I had a three-minute eating window. Stop, stop taking all the credit. So you know what? I was a mess. I couldn't even open my Bible. I couldn't even put two words together to pray. But God got me out. All I, the only words I could say was, help me, God. All I could say was, Jesus, help me, save me, get me out of here. I want to get out, and I don't know how. And some days when I think I know how, sometimes I don't want to. I just want to sit here and have everybody feel sorry for me and come visit me in my pit. So he wasn't talking about pity parties. He is not saying that we should sit around and glory uh, and glorify our pit. He is saying we should reflect and then tell others our story of redemption. This isn't going to be long. I'm almost done. I'm actually at home on my last page of notes. Why? Don't worry about them. I'm preaching. It's harder for me to concentrate. Don't you worry about them. Go back and watch the video. <laughs> like herding cats up here. <laughs> Why? I have a hunch. 
I have a hunch that there's some people that are dressed up nice. You put your cologne on, your perfume on, um, but you, you smell like pit. You, you, don't say that very fast either. <laughs> Lord Jesus, save me. I'm sorry. You got that smell of on you. You, you can camouflage it and cover up, but it's, we can smell it. How long are you going to stay there? How long are you going to cover up? Are, are you actually going to come to an altar and say, God, I don't know how to get out, and I don't know how you're going to get me out, but I believe you can because your word says that you redeemed us, that you're going to redeem us from our pit. When it says all diseases and all sins, I think you can also say all kinds of pit. The difference is that many of us point to our pit, and David says that we should point him to the one that can dig us out. If we don't retell the story, we tend to forget the depth in which he has drug us. If we don't retell our story, then we leave people in despair, thinking there's no way to be returned to original state. Tell your story, let them get beyond blessed. This is what, what is rough for people. It's rough for Christians to actually, we said it on Wednesday. We had a 30-minute icebreaker about honesty. You do not want honesty. People said, my, my favorite part of friends is honest. No, it's not. I'll give you some honesty in Jesus' name. You're not. I will do it in love most of the time. Most of the time. Um, we don't want honesty. We want people to celebrate us in our faults and flaws and throw a parade in our pit. We don't want people to tell us the honest truth. So here's the thing. I don't, want, I don't care if you're honest with me or not. You can lie to me, but don't lie to yourself. Okay? Don't lie to yourself. You, you've been in the pit for a minute. When are you going to get out? When is enough enough? If, 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 if your 2020 and 2021 looked the exact same and nothing's changing, it's getting worse, uh, you, you might be in a pit. If you keep finding yourself in the same situation, you might be going back to your pit unknowingly. That's how I want y'all to come to the altar. All y'all run like this. All y'all run. See, she's trying to show you. That's how you come to the altar with your saved self. I would, I, would, as I would say I'm preaching to an honest congregation. Let me see a show of hands, but I am not doing that here. I have a revolt. So stand with me. Here it is. My wife tries to help me. She said, baby, be honest but nice. I was like, I'm, I'm nice. I'm nice. I'm nice-ish. If, if I am ever, I'm going to say if I'm, if we ever, if you ever ask me to be honest, I'll do it in love. If, if I hurt your feelings, it's because I want the best for you, not because I tear people down. I could tear you down without being honest. <laughs> Come on. If, 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 you weren't, if you were ever in the world and not in church, you know how to talk smack. You know how to tear people down, push buttons, destroy people's you know, ego and crush their feelings. If I want to hurt your feelings, I didn't be honest. If I'm ever honest with you, it's because I want the very best for you. And I believe, I truly believe, I truly believe that most people have never been, had someone honest with them. Now, I was, I was telling Matt, I said, you know what, I, I should go back and say what I said. 
because people thought I was saying it wrong. What I said was, and what I meant was, what I said is if, if what I say out of my mouth is bad, you should hear what, I, what goes through my mind. It wasn't about you. It was what goes through the mind when I deal with myself. If you think I'm hard with you, you should see how I am with myself. I want to be brutally honest. Why? Because most people won't. And here it is. The more prestige you have, the, the higher your position in, in, in your job, the, whatever it is, the, the higher you go, the less you actually hear the truth. People are scared of you because you write and sign their paycheck. People are scared. How many people preach to me? Mason, nobody preaches to me. Nobody. I would love someone to come in here and walk up one side of me, down the other, stomp a mud hole in my chest and walk it dry. I like it and I need it. But since nobody else will do it, I'll do it to myself. So if I'm honest, and I always have the mean face. I'm not trying to be mean. Blame it on the beard. It's the beard. I'm not mean. But if, I'm ever, if I ever see mean, it's because I believe what's inside of you is so great that I'm willing to offend you to pull it out. So here it is. That's fast preaching for me. I want to see you out of your pit. I don't want you to come to church on Sunday and crawl back to the pit on Sunday night. I want you free. Pastor, can you do it? Nope, I can't. But Jesus is our redeemer. Redeemer. Pastor, I messed up too bad. I know. I've ruined it. I know. There's no way I can go back. False. Redemption is return to original state. I don't know how he does it, but he does. So if you're here, uh, here, I'll give you an out. Now, if Rick was preaching this, he would give you this choice. If you're in a pit, whether by your own fault or somebody else, or you never, ever want to be in a pit, please come to the altar. I'm giving you an out because if I say only two, then people won't move. So if you're in a pit because, hey, I did this to myself. Maybe you're in a pit because someone did it to me. Or if you're here going, Pastor, you know what? I, right now, I do not reside in a pit, but I understand human nature, and it's only a matter of time, and I don't. Or if I find myself in one, I refuse to stay there long because I have a Redeemer.